Okay, so today's learning, as always, should be Zecha Nishmas Gila Bashloima and Leah Basafrayim by Yitzchok, Zecha Nishmas Yitzchok Ben Chaim Alevi, Zecha Nishmas Yaakov and Shagafah Alevi, Leah so we're up to the today's daf is very pleasant thank god today's daf tomorrow's daf very pleasant I'm going to record tomorrow's daf also. I could send that if I'm doing it live, if anyone wants to listen. If not, it'll be like any other Shabbos daf. Um, we're up to the bottom line on Yun Ches Amid Beis, the last two words. Um, the Gemara had said that the Sikrikun, just to finish up the Sikrikun, but you don't have to know anything about Sikrikun, uh, that the Sikrikun, which is that if you buy land that was stolen by a guy, the guy sells it, uh, after 12 months, you can keep the land, you just have to give 25% to the original owners. That decision that you can keep the land, but you give 25% to the original owners, was a takon of Revi, Revi Danasi. So the Gemara says, Amir Rav, Rav says, Rav says, I was there when Rebbe decided this institution. Now, I was the first one to speak. Now, a couple things, by the way. This is the source. I'm sure we're all familiar. We've been doing daf long enough to know that Rav Tanahu Upolig, that although an Amora generally can argue on a Tana, Rav was considered a borderline Tana, that he's able to argue if need be. Right? Sometimes you'll have Rav will argue with a Brisa, and they'll say, oh, Rav Tanahu Upolig, Rav is the Tana. This is one of the sources. Rav was on the Bezdin of Rebbe, Rav Yudanasi, that's, that's, that's a Tana. He also lived after Rav Yudanasi's time period. So Rav was a borderline Tana. Now, he was not a prominent member of the Bezdin. He was one of the smaller members of the Bezdin. But he was the first one to speak up regarding this decision. So the Gemara Eskakasha, Ha'anan Tana'an, the halacha is, Dine Mamanis Vataris Vatumis Maschilim and Agadol. The halacha is that when it comes to monetary law, for Tum and Tahara, you always start with the most prestigious member of the Bezdin. And only in Dina Nefashis do you start from the lowest one. Now, the reason why you start from the lowest one by Dina Nefashis is very simple. The Pasuk says, which means you shall not uh, um, follow a, a small amount, but is, is written. The exact translation. Um, do not respond to a dispute. It means basically that uh, you should try to, so Leisan al-Riv, but we read it without a yud, Leisan al-Rav, which is that you should try to not argue with the Rebbe. I don't know if this is a, a requirement halachically or just practically. People don't like to argue with Rabbein. Let's go with the practical advice. The reason why by Dina Nefashis you start with the least prominent member of the Bezdin is because if the pro- most prominent member speaks up and says he's guilty, a lot of people will not want to argue with him, very practically. And by Dina Nefashis, you want to make sure to try to find every um, innocence that you can. 
So by Dine Nefashos, you start with the smallest member of Bezin, and then you work up to the biggest. But by Dine Momenes and Tilman Tahara, you start with the most prominent member. So this Sekrikun, which is a monetary law, why are we starting with Rav? Why did Rebbe's Bezdin start with Rav, which is the least prominent member of Bezdin? You should start with the most prominent member of Bezdin, which is what you always do by monetary law. So the Gemara says... The difference is, in Rebbe's Bezin, they always started with the least prominent member. And Tysus explains, this was a anivus, this was a humility act of Rebbe. Rebbe wanted to humble himself, and therefore in every single halachic decision, even that of monetary law, they would start with the least prominent member of Bezdin first. The Gemara continues, I'm sorry, uh, the Gemara says, from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu until Rebbe, we find something very unique with Rebbe Yudanasi and with Moshe Rabbeinu that we don't find in between them, and that is that the most they are the only people that are the most prominent members of Bezdin, prominent halachic authorities, they have the most Torah knowledge, and they're the uh, the the leaders of the Jewish people, meaning they are the authoritative figures, they have the most power, the most authority, and the most Torah knowledge. We only find that with Moshe and Rav Yudanasi, no one in between. I mean, nowadays, like, the most prominent member is the one who's the most chashiv, but that, that's because we don't really have power. Rav Yudanasi was the most powerful from an authoritative perspective, and he was the most knowledgeable. We don't find that from Moshe Rabbeinu until Rav Yudanasi. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Oh, Yeshua. What about Yeshua? Yeshua ben Nun was the, the, the leader of the Jewish people, and he was the biggest, most Torah knowledge. The answer is, have Elazar. The answer is, he didn't have the most Torah knowledge. Elazar, um, Elazar, who was alive at that time, had an equal amount of Torah knowledge as Yeshua. So Yeshua did not stand up amongst um, um, higher than him. I have Elazar. Okay, so after, after Yeshua died, you have Elazar. Elazar was the, most, uh, was the leader of the Jewish people and the most prominent member. So the answer is, have a Pinchas. When he was alive, Pinchas was still alive, and Pinchas was as knowledgeable in Torah. Okay, have a Pinchas. Okay, what about Pinchas? Have a Zakadim. The answer is, the Zakadim were as knowledgeable as Pinchas. Have a Shol. What about Shol? Shol was the king, and also he was a tremendous halachic authority. The answer is, have a Shmuel. When Shaul was alive, Shmuel was alive, and Shmuel was as knowledgeable. Okay, Hanoich Nafshe, but wait, Shmuel died before Shaul. So Shaul started the biggest authority and ended the biggest authority because Shmuel died in between. The answer is Kule Shani Kamrinu. You're right, but he was never um, he was never undisputed the whole time. Meaning, yes, when Shmuel died, he went back to being the number one. But as long as Shmuel was alive, he wasn't number one. So he wasn't number one undisputed his entire life. As opposed to Rebbe and Moshe, who were. Havid David. What about David Amelech? David Amelech was the king and the head of Bezdin, the answers have a ira hayo iri. Ira hayo iri was as knowledgeable as David in Torah. But iri hayo iri died, which made David Melech prominent again. The answer is, kule shanakamrin, the same answer. David Melech's rule of Torah knowledge being the number one was disputed because when Yair Hayiri was alive, he was the number one with David. Then when he died, it went back to David, but it wasn't. Uh, number one, you, uh, it wasn't unanimous the whole time. The Gemara says, okay, have a Shlomo. What about Shlomo? The answer is Shimi ben Gera. Shimi ben Gera was considered his Rebbe. So Shimi ben Gera was more, had more Torah knowledge. 
I Hakotli, but didn't Shlomo Melch kill Shimon Ben Gera? So Shlomo Melch went back to being number one. The answer is Kuli Shenakamin. It wasn't undisputed. It was uh, disputed for a period of time when Shimon Ben Gera was alive. He wasn't the number one. You're right. He ended the number one, but he wasn't number one the whole time. Havachiska. What about King Chizkia? The answer is Havashevna. Shevna was uh, as Torah knowledgeable. Aiha Iktil, again, but Shevna was killed. Uh, Shevna died. The answer is Kuli Shemakamrin. It wasn't undisputed. Have Ezra. What about Ezra? Have Nechemia. Nechemia was alive and he was as Torah knowledgeable. Amr Vacha Bedirava. Afani Aimer. I'm going to take it a step further. You have Moshe Rabbeinu. And then the next one that it happened to was Rabbi Danasi. And he says, Miyais Rebbe Adrav Ashi Loi Matsinu Tarik Dailamakamechot. The next time that it happened was Rav Ashi, that you have the authoritative figure and Torah knowledge all in one person. That was Moshe, Rav Yudanasi, and Rav Ashi. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Have Huna Bar What about Rav Huna Bar Rav Huna was uh, the authoritative figure and Torah knowledge. The answer is, Shani Huna Bar the make of a Kabbalah of Rav Ashi. The answer is, Rav Huna Bar uh, humbled himself before Rav Ashi. He looked at Rav Ashi as greater than him, and therefore uh, he doesn't make this list. Okay. Now the Mishnah continues with takanas of Chazal to help society. Allah is like this. If you're a Cherish who can't speak, so if you're a Cherish, the truth is on a biblical level, you're not able to make financial decisions because we don't know um, if your intention, um, you're considered like a Shait, a Cherish Shait so on a biblical level, a cherish can't do any form of commerce. The problem is, if a cherish can't buy and sell movables, I'm not talking about land, but if he can't even buy and sell movables, he's not going to have money to survive. So Chazal said, you know what? He could make kinyanim as long as he gestures. He gestures with his hands that it's clear that he's trying to sell it, will deem that a valid sale. Okay. So the Mishnah talks about this. The Mishnah says, Cherish Roimis, a deaf mute, can signal with his hands or his head to indicate his intentions, Venirmas, and people could um, signal to him. Although a signal, I mean, it's a pretty decent sign of Das, but it's not biblically acceptable, but for rabbinically, they accept it in order for him to be able to buy and sell some goods so he has money to survive. Ben Becerra takes it a step further. He says, not only does the Rabbanan allow him to indicate with hand gestures, he could even mouth something. Rashi says mouthing something is not as good of a, um, a sign as a hand gesture, apparently. So the Gemara he may even mouth his intentions, and people can mouth their intentions to him. He, I guess reading lips is not as clear as hand signals. So even though he's not even doing hand signals, that's fine. But metaltalin for movable objects, that's fine. Chazal deemed it acceptable in order to allow him to be able to survive. Hapu'utais, another takana. If you have a young child, we'll see, it's basically from the age of like seven or eight. They also can't sell or buy stuff. The problem is, what if they don't have parents? So biblically, they can't buy or sell. They're not going to have any food, any money. So Chazal accepted uh, from seven and up, or eight and up, the Gemara will describe, that we accept it rabbinically. We accept that the, the, they can make a Kenyan to buy and sell movables, in order for them to have petty cash. Hapu'uta is young children, mechan mechar umechar memkar. They could purchase and sell things rabbinically, bimetaltalin, regarding movable objects so that they could have stuff to survive. So the Gemara said 
that a cherish that a deaf mute is able to make um, is able to do commerce rabbinically either through hand gestures or Ben Becerra says even through mouthing things. Says the Gemara, Amr Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says, Machloikis ben Metalflin. The Machloikis is regarding selling movables. Does he need to have hand gestures or could he even mouth it? Avobigitin. Let's say he's getting divorced. Now, what's the case? A Cherish and a Cherish can't divorce. That's only when they have a biblical marriage. Right? If a person gets married when he's healthy and then he loses his, he becomes deaf mute, he can't divorce because he has a biblical marriage and he can't biblically get divorced. But if he gets married as a Cherish, he could divorce as a Cherish. Now, how does he tell the get, the cipher to write the get? He has to gesture. The question is, what type of gesture is necessary for Gittin? Do we require hand signals, which is the higher level of gesturing, or is the same machlaikas apply that you could even, according to Bambasir, use mouthing? So the Gemara says, machlaikas, bimetaltal, the whole machlaikas is regarding selling movables. Avol begitin, but regarding Gittin, divriakol beremiza, everyone requires a higher level of das, which is hand gestures are required, you cannot mouth it. That's the Gemara says. Gemara says, Pshita, b'metazlan, p'tzpashit, the Mishnah said that it's a machlekes regarding movables. So why would I think that Gittin would be the same? The answer is, ma'u the same af metazlan. You might think the machlekes is even movables, meaning you might think it's the same machlekes, but Gittin, k'mashvalan, no. Gittin requires a higher level of das. Ikadami, some have a different version, that Amar of Nachman, machlekes g'tazlan, kach machlekes begin. According to this version, Rabbi Nachman is the one who said the same way they argue by movables, they argue by gitin as well. That gitin also ben Becerra would allow you to just mouth it. I hanan ben metalzlan but doesn't a Mishnah say that ben Becerra only said his opinion for movables? The answer is af ben metalzlan. He meant even movables, but gitin as well. Okay, fine. Then the Mishnah said that a young child we rabbinically accept their business for commerce for metalzlan. What is the age? Haputa is what is the age of young children? Mekhan, Menchar, Memkar, Memkar, Metalzlan, Kama, what age? A two year old wants to sell you something that's not even rabbinically acceptable. Chazal accepted a certain age. What is the age that they accepted from that point until Bar Mitzvah? Says the Gemara. Again, you have to remember, some of them didn't have parents. If they didn't have parents, they have to be able to sell their watch in order to buy bread. So we have to accept it rabbinically. We can't say it's Geneva. So what age? Mechavi Rav Yehuda Rav Yitzchak Brei Rav Yehuda signaled to his son Yitzchak, who was Kvar Shis Kvar Sheva, six or seven. Okay, so he says six or seven. Rav Kana Mar Kvar Shev Kvar Tamni. Rav Kana says seven or eight. Masisatana Kvar Teishes Kvar Eser, and some say nine or ten. So they're all giving six or seven, seven, eight, nine or ten. And the Gemara is lay pligi. The truth is, it's not a machlekes. It depends on the intellect of the child. The child has to understand what he's doing. So for some kids. And he has to understand that he's selling it, that he's getting money, he's not getting it back, that he has to be okay with it. So for some kids, that's six or seven. For some kids, it's nine or ten. For some kids, it's seven or eight. It just depends on the intellect and maturity of the child. The time of mine, why did the Chazal accept this rabbinic enactment? Why did they do this? In order to allow him to survive, the kids need money. So in order to allow them to survive, Chazal will accept the uh, their buying and selling of movables. By the way, they will not accept it for land because land is not necessary for them to sell land. They can get away with it with selling metaltalin. It's not necessary. Chazal did not uh, make an injunction. Now that we mentioned Ravava Bar Yaakov in the name of Yochanan, we're going to mention another thing that he said that is completely unrelated, and that has to do with um, silk.
or linen, I'm sorry, linen. The Gemara says, The Apostle describes the Zarah and it says that it should take out the Maltacha. We don't know what that is. And for all the worshippers of Avodazar, what is Maltacha? It's linen. Maltacha means rolling between the fingers. Apparently, um, they stretch linen threads by rolling it by hand. Okay. Now that we mentioned linen in Maltacha, we're going to mention another thing about it. Was a wealthy Jew, he said to Rebbe the following There are four different types of uh, materials Sivni, Chomes, Salsala, and Malmola. Now, these four materials are very high end linens, and each one has something special about them. The first two, Sivni and Chomes, Kamguza Upalgivim Guza. They're so fine that if you take the, a robe that would cover a, a man, you could fold it to the size of one and a half nuts. That's how soft and, 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 and pliable the material is. And salsa and mamala, the second type, kemistipka upalgi the misipka. They could fold to one and a half acorns. Okay. My mamala, what does mamala mean? Dabrahad nimble vinitvach. It's something that's rolled and stretched, as we said before. Okay. Back to the children. Chazal. Chazal accepted the buying and selling of young children from seven or eight, six or seven, seven or eight, eight or nine. What if a child sells and makes a mistake? The halacha is that if me and you do business and you overpaid for by a sixth or underpaid by a sixth accidentally, meaning we, 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 we mis, uh, misunderstood, um, yeah, if, if again, we, the details are in Bamatsiya, but basically, if you overpay by a sixth or underpay by a sixth of the value without knowledge, it's not a good sale. The sale is void. So the question is, what about a child? Is a child the same thing? Tausan, meaning, what is the halacha? Meaning, the halacha is that by adults, if you underpay less than a six, it's fine. Overpay less than a six, it's fine. If you underpay more than a six or under or overpay more than a six, it's void. If you underpay and underpay or overpay a six exactly, the halacha is. Um, it's a valid sale, but I have to compensate you. That's the halachas for adults. What about children? So the Gemara says, to Usan, Ad Kama, what is the halachas of these children if they underpaid or overpaid? What is the status? Amr of Yon, Amr of Zeira, Ad Shtus same halachas, a six like any other adult. They have the same status as adults. The question is, what about if they give gifts? Meaning, we accepted rabbinically that they could do business. In order for them to survive, what about gifts? Now you'll say, well, why? Why should we accept their gifts? What sheiches their gifts have to do with anything? I just think about this. We, we've had this before. Gifts was like, I mean, you have this in business. You give a gift to someone, you'll hope they'll do business with you in the future. So perhaps we should validate rabbinically their gifts, because that also might help business. So what's the halacha? If they give a gift, is it acceptable according to halacha? Do we do we uh, do we accept it? So the Gemara says it's a machlek. Is Rav Yemar Amr ein matanasei matana? Rav Yemar says their gifts are not accepted. Chazal never made an injunction for their gifts. Mar Baravashi matanasei matana, and Mar Baravashi says it does. So it's a machlek. Is Rav Yemar and Mar Baravashi. 
The Gemara says, Apchua, a student of the yeshiva, switched the names. So instead of saying Rav Yemar says it's not a gift, he said Rav Yemar says it is a gift. And instead of Marbar Ravashi says it is a gift, he said it's not a gift. He's, he inverted the names accidentally. Shadr the commentary of Mordechai, they sent this wrong version to Rabbi Mordechai. And Amr Lev Mordechai said, Zilu Amr Luchumar, go tell this, uh, go tell Marbar Ravashi, Lav Hachi isn't, isn't this what happened? Kiavikoi Mar. I was there when Ravashi was standing one foot on the ground and one foot on a step. He was walking up the steps. And we asked him, what is the status of a child's gift? It's considered a gift. So, so think about it. Ravashi said it's a gift. You're quoting his son as disagreeing with him. Now the truth is, my Ravashi said like his father. Meaning my Ravashi actually said that it is a gift. But the student switched it. So, so he, Mordechai hears a version that Marbar Ravashi is saying it's not a gift, not like his father. So he said, go tell Marbar Ravashi, I was there when his father said it's a gift. Achas matanas shchivmira, achas matanas bari, achas matanas maruba, achas matanas muetas. It doesn't matter whether it's a big gift, small gift, healthy person giving a gift on his deathbed, it's considered a gift. So tell Marbar Ravashi that he's not like his father. Now he only said this because the version that he heard was incorrect. Okay. Vaiter. More things that are dark yashalom. Says the Mishnah. These things are done for harmony and to avoid fighting. The first aliyah in the shul is given to a kayin. So the fact that the kayin gets the first aliyah is to make peace. Now the Gemara is going to ask a pretty obvious kasha, which is I thought you're biblically required to honor a kayin. We are obligated biblically to give Kayin precedence in Shul. And then a Levi and then Yisrael. But at least Kidashra requires us to honor a Kayin. So you're telling me it's dark Yashalom that it's to avoid fights, that everyone knows. Okay, because if think about it. If, if, if the first Aliyah, which is very Choshit, can be given to anybody, then, and not just to the Kayin, you're going to have this Yisrael says, I want Rishon, I want Rishon, I want Rishon. In order to avoid fights, we give the first Aliyah to a Kayin. So it sounds like the whole requirement is Dark Yashalom. I thought it's Deraisa. And the Gemara will analyze this. Fine. Ma'arvin Bebeis Yashim, another Dark Yashalom, Dark Yashalom, which means like this. If let's say you know that you have to make an Erev, right? If you have a bunch of houses open up to one Chatzar, everyone has to put food in a certain house. That's called an Erev. Let's say the Erev was kept in my house for 10 years you are not allowed to change it to your house. I don't know why you'd want to, but let's say you decide, you know what, I don't want the Erev in his house anymore. I want it in my house now. You're not allowed to. The Gemara will analyze this. It's going to cause problems. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it for you. The Gemara is going to say the reason why you're not allowed to is because then, from then on, when people walk into the house and they look for the Erev because it's been there for 10 years and they don't see it, it's going to look like they're not, uh, that person is no longer religious and he doesn't do Erev anymore. So in order to avoid fights... You have to keep it in the same home. Go to the next page. Bar Okay, what this means is like this. Let's say you have a river that's flowing, and there's a bunch of farmers, and they need to block up the river to, to, to dam up the river so that the water flows into like cisterns, like to small, right? Let's say you have the actual river in the middle, and then you have like, think of it like a caterpillar, like the legs. And each farm has a little cistern. They want to block up the river so that instead of just flowing down, everyone's just getting buckets, it starts flowing into cisterns. The halacha is, the 
the farmers closest to the river has Kadima. Meaning, let's say there's 10 farmers, they want to block up the dam so that it goes into cisterns, they want to channel it. The halacha is, each farmer, the one closest to the, the source of the river, so let's say my, my farm is in the north, your farm is in the south, the one in the north gets it, because he's the closest to the river source. If you're the closest to the river source, you get water first. Okay. Another takana. Let's say you made a trap. Now the Gemara is going to explain there's two different types of traps. There's a trap where it's like 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 a trapped, you know, like like a mamish trap the bird, trap the fish. If I have a little trap, like the size of a fish, and I catch a trap, that's not a net. I have a small net and I catch a fish. The halacha is you can't steal that fish from my net. If it's mamish caught in the small net, that's mine. But let's say I didn't do that. Let's say I made, instead of catching the fish like that, I made like a... I made the river go into a little, 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 like a little pool at the end, a five-foot pool. And a lot of fish went into that pool. Biblically, that fish is not mine yet. But Chazal said, you can't steal it from someone because Dark Yashal. We don't want it to be that I, I put in the effort and caught all those fish and then you just come and take it. Dark Yashal, you're not allowed to. So it's rabbinically, you're not allowed to steal. Rav Yosef says it's actual theft. Now Rashi explains it doesn't mean that it's actually biblically theft. He means it's rabbinical theft. What's the difference? Meaning it's not just that you're over an Avera for Dark Yashalom. I mean, they both agree it's rabbinic theft. But he says it's rabbinic theft because Dark Yashalom. He says it's rabbinic theft of Gezel Gomer. What's the difference? Do you have to return the fish? Okay. If a Chayrashayt find a lost object, Although biblically it's not theirs, you're not allowed to steal it from them. Dark Yashalom, because it'll cause fights. Rav Yosef Amr Gezelgam, Rav Yosef again says it's rabbinic gezela. Oni hamanakif Oh, it's interesting. Let's say you left over some olives on the olive tree for a poor person. He goes up the tree and he cuts it down. As he's cutting it down, they're dropping to the floor. And people are picking them. That's rabbinically gazela, you're not allowed to because we, obviously the guy's cutting it down for himself, so that's considered rabbinic theft. Rav Yosef said it's mamish rabbinic theft, and you have to return it. One last halacha. Let's say a poor guy comes and takes leket shechupeya. So although leket shechupeya is not meant for goyim, if they take it, let them have it, dark yashalom, to avoid anti-Semitism. Okay. Fine. <clears throat> now the Gemara said, the Mishnah said that the fact that we give the Kayin the first Aliyah is to avoid fights. So the Gemara says, what's the source from the Torah that the Kayin gets the first Aliyah? Minanamili, how do I know that the Kayin gives the first Aliyah? Gets Kadima, Amr of Masna, Damakra. The Pasuk says, He gave it to the Kehanim, the sons of Levi. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that every single time the Pasuk describes the Kehadim, it says B'nai Levi? We know they're B'nai Levi. The Gemara says, We know the Kehadim of B'nai Levi. Why is it always Kayan ben Levi? El Kayan Bereshim Levi. It means Kayan and then Levi. Kayan ben Levi means Kayan and then Levi. So this is the order in the Torah for Elias. It's Kayan and then Levi. That's the first source. Rav Yitzchak Navcha Amar. Rav Yitzchak says, Mehacha. It's from here. Again, the Kehan and the son of Levi come forward to serve in the base of Mikdash. Why does it call them Atu Anali Adina to Kehan Levi? Don't we know that the Kehan are the sons of Levi? Elakai Bereshav Levi. Rather, it's the first the Kayan and then the Levi.
Ravashi Ravamehacha, Ravashi says from here, B'nai Amram, Aaron, Moshe, the Yivdal, Aaron, like the Yishak, Kedish, Kedoshim. The Apostle says you have Aaron and Moshe, Aaron is the Kayan, Moshe is the Levi. And as we separate the Kayan for Kedish, Kedoshim, so that means they have to be holier, they get the first Aliyah. It's a bit of Chiyam, Ravamehacha, another source, Vikidashtai. Vikidashtai means you should make them holy, They get Kadima for all things holy. They get the bench first, they get the first Aliyah. They get the first. Uh, they get to speak first. They get the first aliyah. Little money of They get the first portion. So, fine. So here's the kasha. So these all imply that it's biblically required to give the kayim first. But you told me it's dark yashal. So Gemara says, The reason why I give the kayim first is to make peace. Doraisahi, isn't it doraisa? So the Gemara says, It means, it's Doraisa, and why does the Torah do it? In order to make peace. That's the reason for the mitzvah. So the Gemara says, Wait a minute. Every mitzvah of the Torah is to make peace. The ways of the Torah are sweet, and they and and, 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 the, and all their paths are of peace. Meaning, every mitzvah of the Torah is to make peace. So you can tell me, okay, so why don't you just list everything? Tzedakah, peace. Chesed, peace. So everything's for peace. So what, what, what's the Chiddush of the Mishnah that, that, that you give the Kayan first for peace? So the Gemara says like this. I'll tell you outside that we'll see it inside. What it means is you're biblically required to give the Kayan first. And don't think that Kayan could be Michael to let a Yisrael go first. Not for peace. He has to get it first. That's the Gemara means. Meaning, so it is Daraisa and it's for peace. How do you reconcile those two things? Daraisa he gets the first aliyah to give him kavod. And if you're going to say, well, if it's for his for kavod, he wants to give it to someone else, he's allowed to? No, he's not allowed to. In order to avoid machlekes, in order to avoid machlekes, he's not allowed to be meichel on his kavod. And the Gemara will analyze this. Let's see it inside. Elam Rabbaya says, the reason why it's both derais and pieces of kedemar is for the following teaching. Let's say you have two people who are sharing a dish, they have to wait for each other. So if me and you are sharing a pasta dish, and you go to the bathroom, I'm required to wait for you, so I don't eat your whole meal while you're in the bathroom. But if you have three people, they don't have to wait. If three people are eating and sharing a dish together, when two of them are eating, one goes to the bathroom, they don't have to wait for him. This is just halachas of etiquette. Then the halacha is that if we're making hamotzi, the one who makes the hamotzi breaks the bread first. He gets to taste all the bread, all the meals first, all the stuff first, covered. But he's allowed to be Michael on his covet. He's allowed to let his Rebbe taste first. Amar Maralah. But Rabbi explained, the whole Indian that you could be Michael for your covet, for your Rebbe, or for someone Chashiv to you, is during the laws of etiquette of a meal. But when it comes to honoring someone in, in laning, you're not allowed to. Meaning, a Kayin cannot be Michael on the first Aliyah because it's going to lead to fights. Now the Gemara says, Amra Masna, Hadamri Beis Lo. Says the Gemara, this whole concept that a Kayin cannot be Michael. Is only true for Shabbos and Yom Tov, where the shuls were very full. So then, Mamish lead to arguments. Al Tuesday, Monday, and Thursday they can. Now, Tysus, by the way, Tysus says, okay, look, so Monday and Thursday they can be Michael on their coffin. Now, Tysus says that's not true anymore. Tysus says, if you look at Tysus. That was only true back then. Meaning the Gemara is saying that on Monday and Thursday a Kayin can let someone else first because how many people go to shul on a Monday and Thursday? Not so much anyway. Says Rabbi Nechanal, that was true back then in their shuls. They didn't go to shul very often. 
because they were busy. But nowadays, it's the same. So you see from our Gemara that a Kayan cannot be Meichel on his Kavit. Now, the Gemara says, Enis is true. Rav Huna, who was a Yisrael, read first, he got the first Aliyah, even though there were Kayhanim in the Shul, because they were Meichel to Rav Huna. I thought he's not allowed to be Meichel. The answer is Shani Rav Huna, Da'afilu Ravami Ravasi, Kani Chashibu Eretz Yisrael, Meikav Apekayifle. The answer is Rav Huna is different. He was the most Chashib person on the entire planet. Even Rav Ami and Ravasi, who were Kehanim, were, would 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 um, defer to him. So he was the most Chashib, more Chashib than every Kayan. If you're more Chashib than every Kayan on the planet, then it's allowed. But if not, not. Now you see from the Sugya that for a Kayan to be Meichel on his covet is not allowed. This has to do a lot of times with the Halacha. Um, I've only had to do it once in the entire Hashimino's history. I try not to do it. Um, the concept of asking a kind to step out, to allow a Yisrael to get an Aliyah. Uh, it's not partial whether it's allowed. You see from the Sugi that it's definitely not something that we endorse often. The argument would be that perhaps it's allowed, perhaps it's allowed if, that's why the kind has to step out. Because uh, so to stay in the room would be a problem. But you see also from the Sugi, it's not something we endorse. Moshe Feinstein was not a big fan of it. I only did it once. It was identical twin Yisraelim who had their Boba Yom Bar Mitzvah. So I had to give them both aliyahs, and it was a Monday. And the people came in for pictures, and you can't give one over the other. And Mamash was identical twins, the Yisraelim. So I had to give one Rishon and one Shlishi. So, but it's, you see from the Sugi, it's not so partial. Amr Abai, let's just finish up the Sugi. Next, we have a tradition. Ancient Kayin, we know it's generally Kayin Levi Yisrael. If there is no Kayin, then the Levi does not get the second aliyah. Despite the Chavila, we don't give the Levi the second Aliyah. We're going to see why, because it's a bad optic, meaning the Levi, once the order is ruined by the Kayan, once the Kayan is not present, then the Levi no longer gets the second Aliyah either. He can get the first, but he doesn't get the second Aliyah. Now we have another tradition that if there's no Levi in the Shul, the Kayan gets the second Aliyah. The Kayan is Bim Kayim Levi. Now the Gemara asks Akasha, why is this allowed? The problem is, Enes is true. Why do we allow to give the Kayin the second Aliyah? Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan said, Kayin achar Kayin layikra. Look, look at the words carefully because it's important. To give a Kayin the first and then the second Aliyah is not allowed. Mishrim Pagamishal Rishon, because people might discredit the first Kayin. Now, what that means is, if you give the Kayin the first Aliyah and then give another Kayin a second Aliyah, people are going to think that the first Kayin, let's say the first Kayin is Reuven and the second Kayin is Levi, is, 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 is Shimon, they're both Kehanim, people are going to think that the first Kayin was not really a Kayin and we had to redo the Aliyah. So if you give the second Aliyah to a Kayin, people are going to say, oh, the second Kayin is a real Kayin, the first Kayin is not a real Kayin and we had to redo the Aliyah. Now, the Gemara is going to explain... I don't understand. If people are there for the whole laning, they'll see that the second aliyah was not a redo of the first aliyah. That they're, they're going to see that the second aliyah, that uh, there were only seven total. So how, why would we think, right? We think that the first aliyah, the guy is not a real kind. We find that he's not a real kind. They're like, oh, we have to replace him. We'll get someone else to do it. But wait a minute. If the, if the second guy is laning different things and he's only part, and they're both part of the seven aliyahs, then why would I think anything bad? I think Amari is going to explain that we're concerned that people are going to leave without hearing the entire lading, and they're going to think, oh, that first guy must have not really been a Kayan, and he was replaced. But that's the reason why you can't do the first two aliyahs cannot be Kehanim, because we're afraid the second Kayan will be the real Kayan, the first Kayan will be, have been replaced. It's Begama, the first Kayan. Levi, Achar Levi, you're not allowed to have two Levi aliyahs, meaning Shani can't be a Levi, and then Shlishi can't be a Levi also. Why? Because it's bad optics for both of them. No one's going to know which one is not a real Levi. 
Either the second one's not a real Levi, the third one's not a real Levi. The second one's not a real Levi, the third one's not a real Levi. And people, it's going to be bad optics for both. Now, by the way, the Gemara is going to ans- ask Akasha, pretty obvious, which is, you can't have... Uh, you can't have two Kehanim, back-to-back. You can't have the first and second Aliyah B'Kehanim. Why? Because it makes it look like the first one's not a real kind is being replaced. So it's a Pagam of the first one. You can't have two Levian back-to-back because it's a bad optic for either. We're not going to show which one's not good Levi, and it's bad optic for both. Why by a Kayan are we confident that the second one's a legit Kayan replacing the first, but by Levian, we're not sure whether either of them might not be good. Why not say the same thing? The second one is replacing the first. The Gemara is going to ask that Kasha. So, but the original Kasha is, you're telling me there's a concept of Bim Kayim, that the Kayim gets his first two Aliyahs. I think you're not supposed to call up two Kayim back-to-back. The answer is, Ki Amrina that we don't call up two different Kehanim. You're not allowed to call up two different Kehanim, because that looks like the first one is being replaced by the second. The Bim Kayim is where it's the same Kayim, the same Kayim getting a second Aliyah. So the Gemara is a Kasha. Again, you call up two Kehanim back-to-back. It's a bad optic for the first. It looks like we're replacing the first Kayim. You call up two Levian back-to-back. It's a bad optic for both. Why? How come when you call up two Levium, it discredits both of them? Because people are not going to know which one's not a Levi. They're going to say, listen, I know one of them's not a Levi. That's why they had two Levium back to back. Either the first one's not a Levi and he's being replaced, or the second one's not a Levi and he's Israel. I get it. It's a bad optic for both. I'm just not sure which one. But the same thing when you have two Kahana back to back. Why don't you say it's not a good optic for both. Why are you so confident that it discredits the first? Maybe it's discrediting the second. Maybe the second's not a kayin. So the Gemara says, The answer is the case is we know that the second one who got a kayin, we know his father was a kayin. We know it for sure. So therefore it's only, there's no concern that he, he's a legit kayin. We know he's a legit kayin. The first one, maybe not. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Wait a minute. So same thing by a levi. We know the father's levi. What's the answer? Ella, Amri Mamzeris and Nasinanazab. The answer is I don't care what your father is. Your father can be a Kayan and could be a Levi. But maybe your mom's a Mamzeris. <laughs> and your and Pasle Lazare. And it, it, it ruined his offspring. Right? If a Levi marries a Mamzeris, the ch- children are not Levium. The children are Yisraelim. So Halchanami, Amri Grusha Khalutza Nasiv Achlazari. So to over here, meaning. You have two Kehanim, yeah? The first one gets Kayan, the second Kayan gets Levi. We said it's not good because it makes it a bad optic for the first Kayan. Two Levian back-to-back, that's a bad optic for both. Why? It's a bad optic for both because we don't know which one. We don't know, right, yeah, Levi and then Shlishi is also a Levi. That's not good. Why? Because Shlishi might be replacing the second one because you realize the second one's not a good Levi. Or Shlishi is Yisrael and he's actually Yisrael and he's not a good Levi. But it's not good for either. We're not sure which one. But a Kayan back-to-back... The second kind is replacing the first. Why? Why? Why isn't it a big problem for both? So the case is the second kind. You know his dad's a kind. Yeah, but maybe his mom's a chalala. So the Gemara says very clever. Saif saif levi mi kahava. The answer is we don't one minute. The, the, the answer is the reason why it's not a it's not a good optic by the case of a kain back to back is because like this the kain gets the first aliyah then the second aliyah is also to a kain. That's only a bad optic for the first. Why? Because he's replacing him. Why isn't a bad optic for the second? What are the two choices by the second? He's either a Kayan, or his mom was a, 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 a Grusha, and he's a Yisrael. He definitely wouldn't be getting Levi. 
There's no option of him being a Levi. The fact that he's getting the second Levi means he's definitely not a Levi. He's either a valid Kayan or a Yisrael, because he's not a valid Kayan. He's definitely not a Levi. Therefore, he must be replacing the first. But when it comes to Levi and back-to-back, the second Levi is the third Aliyah. So he legitimately might be a Yisrael. He's in the Yisrael slot. So because there's a chance he's legitimately Yisrael, there's a problem. As opposed to the Kayan back-to-back, the second Aliyah, the, 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 the second Kayan is getting Levi. So his either option is that he's a Kayan, or he's a Yisrael. He's definitely not a Levi. Therefore, he must be replacing the first Kayan. It must be that we know that the first Kayan is not a good Kayan. He's replacing him. The Gemara just says, The whole thing is you're afraid that people are going to think that he's replacing him, which means that the first Aliyah doesn't count. But if you're there for the whole time, if the people stay in the shul the whole time, they'll see that the first Aliyah counted as one of the seven. The answer is, we're afraid that people are going to leave and not realize that the first Aliyah counted, and they're going to say, oh, that second guy must be replacing the first. I will stop here. Let's jump pick it up later.